Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of The Griff Report. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. On your screen, you'll see I'm in the middle of our two titans today. We have uh, Mike, the comedian, Rudy, the vet. And today we're going to be debating a very interesting, interesting topic. We're going to talk about homeschooling versus the public school system. Now, just want to give a little bit of history of this debate so that we can begin the debate in the right place. Okay, so this debate starts off with Mike talking about the important work that he and his wife do in the public system. And that's where this this debate really stemmed from. He was talking about the work he did and then. Uh, things sort of spiraled from there. So I would like to start this conversation off with Mike, starting with that retelling of the story of what happened in the chat. We got uh, Goldstein versus Strong Dad coming after this. This is our undercard prelim fight. Um, but Mike, please tell us what happened uh, in the chat. What did you say? And start there. Absolutely. Um before I get started with all that, there's a little bit uh, of a heaviness hanging over us, a cloud, and I needed to address that real fast, and, and then I'll answer your question there. And that is that, um, you know, uh, Rudy, um, I, you know, I, I understand, I understand you, and you know, um, I, I just want folks to know as we go about this debate, uh, you're the kind of person who's willing to threaten to murder somebody who says and makes jokes, the exact same jokes you make. Uh, you're willing to threaten to rape an innocent woman who is also my wife, something I would never do to you. Uh, you love to brag about how you're a two-time felon, then gladly, as you did yesterday, double down on doing the things that would land you directly back there. Now, all of that being said, that's not the point. The point is, I want you to know, Rudy, uh, I forgive you. Even though you say the kind of things that could get Hotep taken off, Hotep Jesus taken off of YouTube and cost the nation lots of money, you could really hurt the whole movement because, uh, you know, you're angry. It just means that you're you're kind of broken. You know, you're not able to be held accountable. Your whole deal is I want to move to the woods and murder anyone that gets close to me that says words I don't like. And I want to be able to rape their wife. That's who you are. That's from a broken place. Then when you're called out on it, you call back and double down and say, I'm not sorry for saying that. I'm not sorry for the damage it could have caused Hotep Jesus, Hotep Nation, you personally as a human being or your innocent wife. You made a joke, the same joke I made about you, but I get to want to murder you. That's who you are, man. But I want to let you know I forgive you, not because you've earned it and not because you deserve it, but because you need it the most. It's the murderous people. It's the worst threats. It's the people who have that hate and disgust in their heart towards another man they've never even met. And in fact, a man who has reached out to try to get along with them. It's people like you that need the most forgiveness. And I just want everybody to know going forward, whatever hateful, awful, ugly, hideous things you say about me, they're coming from that place. And whatever point you try to make, it comes from a place of a man who's willing to commit felonies and murder if somebody makes a joke. I'm a comedian. It was an impression. I don't know if you're aware of comedy, Rudy, but comedians do impressions and I was doing an impression. Then you called and did the exact same impression of me. Uh, still don't want to murder you. 
still have no desire to commit a felony against any innocent women you may be close to. So that's the difference between us. Now, going back, I know there was a Sonny Johnson talk. Uh, she was uh, having a debate. We were listening in as uh, in the Griff report. We were listening into her debate with another guy. And um, uh, basically what had happened there was that uh, I had said, oh, she's using white folk as a monolith. And then people got Mike, mad and stop. not over. Mike, stop. Rudy, I'd like you to respond to that first segment there from Mike. You know, what are your thoughts on some of the things he said? And how did you want to respond to that before we get into the, I mean, the topic? Got no response for that victim mentality, man. Uh, he, he called in. He tried to kayfabe it. He tried to keep wrestling. You can sit here and be like, oh, I was just doing an innocent impression. Dude, you weren't, man. You weren't, man. You were I got my head up a hog's ass and I kill chicken. I'm a two-pot Dude, there's a difference between a joke and digging at somebody's character, man. Oh, just because it digging wasn't funny to you doesn't mean it wasn't funny. Don't cut him off. Please do not cut people yeah. off. He didn't cut you yeah. off, Mike. He didn't you cut you off, you Mike. Didn't, you didn't come in. You didn't come in. You didn't come in with a joking intent, dude. You came in with character assassination. And then said, well, it was just a joke, man. It was just a joke, man. And, you know, and you can come up here and play the victim. Oh, he said this, he said that. I mean, I said what I said, man. You don't come from the world I come from, dude. You don't come from the world I come from. And, yeah, I could take a joke. If it was joking the first time you called up and did the kayfabe wrestling thing, I thought it was hilarious. And I played along with you. The second one, bro, it wasn't about joking, man. It was about character assassination. Taking shots at my whole way of life, man. Because I'm different than you, with the with the same mentality of you're a southern hick. <laughs> you in the south are stupid. That's that same northern mentality I've been dealing with my whole life for Yankees, man. So I mean, you can sit here and say, "Oh, it was just a joke, man." I ain't take it as a joke, man. You came in on some character assassination stuff. You came in on some character assassination stuff. You don't come in in a certain. You don't know what everybody's been through and who they are, man. You, it's just the internet, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, if, we, if I knew you, if I knew you on, on some kind of level, but I don't know you from shit, dude. You came in on a character assassination. I, I won't have it, man. So I stood my ground. I'll just leave it at that. Mike, just let me just hop that. in here and just say, you know, Comedy does have its place, right? Um, however, especially when you're dealing with the streets, not everybody plays that. Not everybody plays those games. You know, not everybody is going to, you know, care about your jokes. Um, but how would you respond to Rudy there? Okay, first let me address you and say, you act like I don't know the streets, just like Rudy does. I really hate all these assumptions you all make about me. Somehow you know how I grew up. First of all, I never lived in the North. So I, I just muted you. First of all, I just muted you. Uh, I muted you because uh, I don't like to be straw man. I don't like to be gaslit. I didn't say you don't know anything about the streets. All I said was in the streets, this is how things go. And then you interpreted as you didn't know that. I was just clarifying a point to say in the streets, not everybody deals with that. And if you are familiar with that life, then you know. You can unmute yourself now. So here's the question. In the streets, do we also play hard? Do we also like go after somebody for, you know, crack coon and we go really hard on them because it's hilarious? Have you, you know, uh, 
Had, did, did you grow up watching the, uh, you know, Def Comedy Jam roasts? Uh, have you been a part of a comedy roast? Have you sat around with a group of comedians cracking on each other? There is nothing nice about it. You get deep. Now, but you're absolutely venue, right. In this... But that's the venue, right? But that, that's what we do. Also, I'm trying to sell a fight, which is trying to make people angry. Uh, you know, I know a little bit about selling fights and promoting just a little bit about it. And I can tell you, if you make people angry, that's one thing. Now, what's funny and what he conveniently didn't address, and he said he stood his ground. Now, if threatening to murder me and rape my wife and saying, not only am I not sorry about that, but if he feels like that's standing his ground once again, he is a broken man coming from a murderous place. He wants to hurt innocent women, and he thinks it's okay if I said jokes that he didn't like. Now, he said many things about me I didn't like, so I have many people in your chat. It would be wrong for me as a human being in my soul to want to hurt them physically or rape innocent women because of words they said to me. He did not address that when you asked him to readdress. He then said it wasn't wrong what he did, and he stood by it as of yesterday. I would love for him to address that, but once again, regardless, it doesn't matter because Rudy, I forgive you. You need forgiveness. Rudy, I You're think, an angry I, Rudy, man. Rudy, I think he does have a point. I think, and Rudy did apologize to the platform for the things he said. You know, you were wrong in saying that he didn't. He did apologize to the platform. He never apologized to you. But he did not you. apologize to- He did not apologize to you, but he did apologize to the platform. Rudy, well, do you want to- Hold on, fight. I'm talking, Mike, hold on. Um, Rudy, do you, uh, I would, I would like to invite you to address those comments because the comments definitely were, were unacceptable. I think you're a better man than those comments. And I think you got caught up in a heated moment, but please address those comments, particularly the comments about his wife. Uh, I'll take anything back. I said about his wife, man. I apologize for anything I said about his wife. As of him, I don't, you know, you can play your I was just being a joke. Dude, if you grow up in the streets, man, you don't, there's a big difference between clowning around with people you've known your whole life and, and the things you can say to them and just walking up on a complete stranger and popping off at the mouth like that. And if you grew up in the streets like you say you did, you should know that. You don't just walk up on somebody you don't know and start clowning and living shit out of them. Words have consequences, right? And that what the left always says? Because you're from the left, you're from the left. Your whole attitude's from the left. But I, I'll be, I'll be the man. What I said about your wife was wrong. She's innocent to this whole thing. I apologize for what I said about your wife. That's, any comment that, I made made towards you since that character assassination, I'm standing on it. Man. So you I'm want standing. to murder me? So you think bro, you should be able to I murder me? I don't want to murder you, bro. You keep talking. Well, about those are the exact words you said. Should we play the call back? I said if you came up the mountain, I popped you at a thousand yards, brother. What's that got to do with, I'm coming to murder you, man? Stop playing a victim, bro. You popped off at the mouth, I popped off. I'm not playing I'm a victim. I forgive I'm you. You are weak. I'm what I said about your wife that was wrong as a man in this world. That's definitely wrong. I don't believe in that shit at all. But and why did you say it? And then why did you double down on it yesterday? All right, Mike, 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 down. Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Now, now, now it's getting ridiculous. He apologized for the comments to your wife. That's what you wanted. You got that. You cannot double back down on the same point, Mike. You just can't do that. That doesn't make I'm sense. Double back down, man. Cares, no, it just doesn't man. make sense. That's not what I wanted. I wanted him to know whether he apologized or not. I forgive him. Yeah, I, yeah. You said that three times now. Let's get to the. Um, 
to this subject matter at hand. So we were in the chat and we were talking about, well, go ahead. Tell us, tell us how that story went about and how you got on um, the work of your public education. Look, it gets muddy and convoluted, but I'll start off at the point that I think it makes the most sense. And that is me calling in. And, you know, uh, on my first call into the show, I was very excited. Uh, me and my wife were, you know, it spent a lot of hours setting up because it was, you know, the week before school season. Um, and she's a third grade school teacher in a public school. That is true. Um, so anyway, uh, and I called, I was like, hey, man, try to help them teachers out because they work really hard. And then it was like, Mike, we homeschool. And I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely for homeschooling. I, in fact, I think that's probably the best way to go if you can manage that option uh, to the point of I, you know, and as I said yesterday, I financially support the HOTEP homeschool <clears throat> initiative. And I think it's a wonderful thing. And I think if you have uh, the parents, if you have the resources, if you have the ability to homeschool, I think it's by far the best solution. That's not my concern. And in fact, I agree with you 100% on that. Nor am I a liberal in any way, shape or form. I know you need to call me things because you don't know me, nor would you take the time to get to know me. However, here's my concern. And Rudy, I think you'd agree with me on this being a two-time felon, is that what we lack right now in our public systems and in our inner cities and in the poorest communities are good positive male role models and even female role models. People that will take the children with no parents or like we deal with, we call them meth dads because the dad comes out all methed and tweaked out and oh, my kid ain't passing, what are you doing wrong? And people like that, those kids, the reason you wanna move a thousand miles away from everything and build walls and have guns aimed a thousand yards from your property is because of those kids. Who do you think BLM and Antifa recruit? When they're burning down cities, and when they're shooting and murdering people in the streets for being Trump supporters, who do you think that is? Do you think that's a kid that came from a good home with a loving parent that home? Wait, you got muted. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Even strong, uh, even a strong man like you, Rudy. Rudy, you're gonna make a kick. If I think you probably already are, but you make a kick-ass dad because you're ten toes down. Are you perfect? Hell no. But you're 10 toes down. You work your ass off every day to provide a better life for your family. You've come through a lot of shit to be the man you are now. More kids need you. I grew up with no father. He's dead now. I would kill to have a father like you. Even if he beat my ass for messing up, I'd be a better man today. So I have no argument and I have no issue with homeschooling. What my issue is, is what do we do with all these other kids that have no Rudy's, that have no Hotep Jesus's? What do we do with these kids that come to school hungry or they're falling asleep on the desk because their parents uh, smoke weed in the car while they're dropping them off at school and the kid smells like weed in third grade and passing out on the desk? These are the kids we have to build walls for because they grow up and become the BLMs and the Antifas. And my question is not should we homeschool, because I think we should, but how do these kids get the same uh, attention and education? Because if we don't take care of them, the other side will. I yield. Rudy, do you uh, agree, disagree with uh, the comments made by Mike there? And, and, what's your, I... and what's your recollection of the events that took place in the chat that led up to this debate, you know, that, that I mean, really created I, this debate. Mike got uh, frustrated with some things that people in the chat was, were saying. I 100% agree with him on that. But then he called in and he, and he, you and him went, had your back and forth about homeschooling. And he was like, me and my wife are doing this insurgent thing, which I hope 
I hope, you know what I'm saying? They are. I hope they are. Then the next day, I said he was acting like a, a little bitchy when he called in. And he he took it as I called him a bitch. I didn't call him a bitch, man. I said he was acting bitchy, man. My thing is, you can sit here and act like you're an insurgent in public schools, but it all comes from D.C., man. I live in a rural county in North Carolina. When I moved here, I moved to this rural county in North Carolina. I went and had conversations with all the teachers are conservative. About half, halfway through the school season, I'm getting left-wing propaganda. I go up to the school. I say to the ladies, what the hell is this? They say to me, we have to teach what rally pushes. Rally pushes what comes out of D.C. Unfortunately, this is what we have to teach. So all of them teachers in, in, in my area who live, and I live in a rural conservative area, red as hell, they still had to teach what came down from Raleigh, North Carolina. They had to teach the curriculum adopted by the state board of education that was coming out of the D.C. board of it, the, the D.C. Department of Education. I don't feel like if you look back to when the Department of Education was even created, we were putting out scholars and geniuses, and you can look from the time they implemented the Department of Education and look at the drop in IQs of test scores and intelligence of the American population. So I don't feel like any public school deserves a damn dime. And you know what I did? I ripped my kids out of that public school when that left-wing crap came on, and I went to work extra shifts to put my kids through a private school because there's not really any homeschooling in my rural area. But there is a decent private school with a decent curriculum that doesn't have to deal with Raleigh. The same way my kids had to put on masks in public schools. When I ripped them out of the public schools, you know what they didn't have to do in private school? Put on masks because the private school is not under the thumb of what comes out of the Department of Education of Rowley. You know what my kids are? They're, they're, they're a great ahead of anybody in the public school system of where I live. You know why? Because they're not under the thumb of the State Department of Education that comes from Rowley. And who does Rowley take its marching orders from? The Department of Education in Washington, D.C. It's all stuff. You have to teach this program or you don't get your federal money. And in the state's cowtail to D.C., and D.C. is an infestation of left-wing ideology. So if there was a homeschool, if me and my wife didn't have to work, I would let my wife stay home and homeschool the kids. But unfortunately, in Biden's economy, both of us got to have jobs right now. So I hope, I, hope, I, I hope you're an insurgent. I hope you're in there fighting back like the teachers that the, at the public school that I went. I hope. You try to put a little bit of critical thinking in there, you know, and if you do, I give you kudos for that. But I'm not, I'm never going to, I'm never going to ever, ever, ever put my kids into a public school system again. Man, I don't care if I got to work 15, 16 hour shifts. My kids will never be indoctrinated into that thinking. And it is a system of indoctrination. And it all comes from the Department of Education, the Department of Education passes it all down, and the minute you don't do their curriculum or the minute you don't do what they want, they threaten you to pull the funding and the money game of the taxpayers putting all this money into this shit has ruined it, man. It has ruined it. So I, I commend you if you are that insurgent and you are throwing a little critical thinking in, 
But let's not get it twisted, dude. If the state says you guys got to teach this curriculum and you guys are calling it school teachers, you're teaching that curriculum. Your school's going to teach it. How do you respond to that, Whether Mike? You can... uh, I don't fully disagree. I think one thing you mentioned like five or six times was Raleigh, right? And he's in North Carolina. And as far as I know, uh, Raleigh is a very uh, – and, and I'm going to ask him to correct me if I'm wrong, but Raleigh, North Carolina, and the people kind of running that city and kind of what goes out from that city are very liberal folks. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so and that's fair. Cool little background story there. Me and my wife were in Dallas, Texas, mainly for my career. Uh, you know, long story short, as you know, I've, I've worked for some of the bigger uh, right-wing media outlets. So uh, anyway, regardless of that, we were in Dallas uh, because that's where some of them reside, right? And uh, was working for them. And then uh, knowing that I do stand-up comedy and, and promote fights and things like that, Dallas is a, a great market. However, uh, much more liberal. And she tried to teach and they tried to push that liberal stuff to the point of being a grade school teacher. You think we can just kind of focus on, you know, reading, writing numbers, you know, basic history, that kind of thing. And they started for third graders talking about uh, gay pride month and that kind of thing. And so she quit being a teacher and became a postal worker, a postal carrier. That's a brutal gig for anyone. I don't care who you are, but it was because she couldn't handle that. Uh, and we have family here in the Oklahoma area, and we found two teachers who were looking for a third teacher so they could go in and they could not be forced to do that. And they could put up a fight. Now uh, she gets to tell her kids, you know, um, Hotep Jesus is a little adult content, but she gets to lead her kids. Uh, and, and I know we may hate Ben Shapiro, but there's not a lot of children's things out there from the conservative uh, places. And if you have any recommending for, say, the third grade age, I'm all in for it. But, uh, you know, we, we are able to show conservative based value things and teach them in that way, uh, you know, more so. Now, is it 100 percent? No, it's not. Uh, you know, are we fighting a, a tidal wave with a flamethrower? Absolutely. I'm not saying we're winning a war. We're not winning, in our opinion. We fight very brutally. But I promise you, man, if it weren't for um, and specifically uh, which is a whole nother topic. But if it weren't specifically for the YMCA coaches, right, and the teachers who gave a crap, you know, and the, the you know, the, the basketball coaches that let the little fat white kids sit on the bench, but, you know, made sure that I was doing my homework and that I wasn't just fighting and getting in trouble, I, who knows where I'd be. So um, not that I'm as good as any of those men were, but I'd like to be that uh, for somebody. And if there's a kid out there, that, you know, may think they want to, you know, chop off their dick and, and color their hair purple so they can be fit in. And you say, no, man, that's not necessarily the way. You know what I mean? Hey, come to this basketball game or here, have your, your mom and dad come to this boxing match where these good men are Christian men and they can teach you discipline. And once again, uh, a lot of it is local and Oklahoma is a more conservative state. So the curriculum is more conservative and there's less of that BS being pushed. However, you are right. There's a lot of that being pushed, but we honestly feel like if we leave, there's no one left. And there's a lot of these kids that are good kids with shitty parents in a shitty situation. And somebody needs to give a damn about them. And if we all just take our kids and take our money away, it's even worse for those kids. And, and so not only 
I not only do I not disagree with you, I do agree with you, but I do also encourage you to maybe see that in more red states, uh, the curriculum is is the Washington curriculum is less forced down our throats. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. So basically you're saying is D.C. doesn't have as much influence on the curriculum as the state. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And I think people would be surprised to see, yes, it comes from the top, but by it, by the time it funnels down, like any message, it definitely gets, you know, uh, polluted for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of my favorite sayings, if you want to take over a city and you want to suffer no casualties on your side, how do you do that? Mm. You poison the water supply, right? That's how you do that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, then there's the fallout of all the dead people in the city. But regardless of that, you might want them for labor and whatnot. But you poison the water supply. So uh, for lack of a better term, and I, I apologize for not having a better term, but we're trying to poison the Marxist liberal agenda water supply with some uh, good old-fashioned values of love your parents, be a good husband, be a good father, be a good wife, be a good mother. Contribute to those in your society that have less than you because that's how you create a better society. Now, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but this is how we live our life. And it's hard because they criticize you on both sides when you're the person going in to the fire, you know. So, yeah. Rudy, uh, what are your thoughts, uh, responses to uh, what what uh, Mike said there? Agree, disagree with anything? I, I, I mean, listen, if he's an insurgent and he's doing his thing, I'm cool with that. But I, I got a question. I Didn't Oklahoma, I, didn't y'all just come up with school, um, let the money follow the kid? Like West Virginia, don't think money follow the kid now, but school choice, you can go to wherever you want to go, and the federal money follows you wherever you go, the federal and state funding. School choice, Didn't exactly. That Did that happen in Oklahoma? That is correct. And funny, I was just talking to a friend of mine who is a member of a big private school board yesterday getting ready for this. And, uh, yeah, he's very happy because they just passed that. Uh, if you want to put your child in a private school, you get a tax write-off in the amount of what it costs for the, what the state would pay for the schooling portion. Meaning if the state has allotted $2,000, you know, kind of thing, that money goes with that child if you want to homeschool them or put them in a private school. So what, wouldn't it serve you and your wife better to just start your own thing? Okay, yeah, man. But but I'm the hustler. I I hear me, man. I promote fights. I promote comedy okay. shows. I'm in the pretty grungy world. Okay. What about your wife, man? Why can't she start her own thing? Why? Did, because we want to do good for these kids, man. Because she grew. Her father was a public defender who, instead of going and defending the big drug criminals and making all the money, her and her three brothers and sisters and her mother lived with less money. Because he said over and over and every night when he came home, he would say, if these kids just had a parent that gave a damn about them or anybody for that matter that gave a damn about them, they wouldn't be in this situation. Right. And I agree with her. And I was one of those kids. And thank God I didn't get busted for the crimes I did. And then I learned that crime was not the way to go. Right. But the thing right. there is that I do the dirty. You know what I mean? I'm here doing the dirty now. I'm in. You know what I mean? I'm up till 4 a.m. as I was last night in nightclubs, making sure they're clean when we leave, putting on sold out comedy shows, negotiating with promoters and producers and managers, which is the dirtiest of games. These people will kill you. Believe that because they got cartel connections and shit. You have no idea. But anyway, the point is I do the dirty 
so we can actually help some people, man. So we can take a kid who has no one who would end up being in jail or being homeless on the street or methed out committing crimes and that kid gets to college or that kid at least gets a good job. He gets to start his own little, you know, hot dog shop or food truck and he has a good wife and they have a small business contributing to the community. And yeah, my wife could pull out of that and probably make a, a large amount more money. But this isn't about the money for us. It's not about the come up. I'm the guy that handles the come up in our relationship. And she's the one that to kind of cleanse my karma teaches the kids who don't have anyone else. And that's kind of the difference there. So, yeah, man, you're absolutely right. We could financially do better, but we choose to do what we do, man. I, I'm not trying to bring my religion into this, but I believe my life is a ministry. It's not even about the finances of it, brother. It's about the fact that she can teach kids just how to read, write, do math, basic sciences, if she just did her own thing without an Oklahoma public school curriculum. Let me ask you one question. Is she part of the teacher's union? No, she has refused. They've tried to get her. There's, there's actually, there's been a split and there are two teacher's unions here. One is more red and one is more blue. Uh, not to get into the, you know, weeds of it but uh and she's not a member of either of them because she does not believe in the board of education or unions all right well at least i mean i give her props on that one man at least she ain't taking public money to give turn around and give to a public sector union to turn around and run it up in everybody's ass we are no fans of the system but that's why we're in the system you know right i just feel like you guys, you seem like a motivated dude. She seems like a motivated chick. And if the money follows you, you can go out and start a school where kids are popping out of there doing algebra at eight years old. You know what I'm saying? Because no matter what, you have to operate in the constraints of the state of Oklahoma school system. You can only go but so rogue, man. You can only go but so far. You can't take it to the level of just math, science, social studies, like real history or anything like that. If they come down, if that state ever flips, God, 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 bless, God hope it doesn't, because I've seen it here in North Carolina, and we flipped the state last last election cycle. Everything but the governor is, is red as hell now. So hopefully, hmm. hopefully, they can weed out some of the poison in the public school system, but I'm still not risking my kids going back to the public school. So if you're and an insurgent and your wife, if your wife is truly an insurgent and you're truly an insurgent, I've told you from the beginning, man, I tip my hat to y'all, but you're still under the constraints of the public school system. You're still, and even, even in Oklahoma, even in Oklahoma, everybody wants a little bit of that D.C. money. Money has infected that system, you know, from, from the root to the fruit, man, from, from K through college. Government money has destroyed public school systems. We subsidize colleges. We subsidize everything with tax dollars, man. And I just feel in my heart of hearts that it's the public school system is trash. I'm a product of the public school system. I'm the product of the public school system. I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect example, man, perfect example of what inner city schools will do to, do to anybody, man. You go to school, you can pass. I skipped my senior year. I skipped the whole half of the damn semester. I still passed and graduated high school because they're just moving us through, man. They're just moving us through. Didn't learn a damn thing, man. God, I hate this fucking Canada. The only words I know is see and know, man. 
I've seen it. I'm a product of it, man. I'm a product of public school system. So, Chat. if you're an insurgent, I give you my hats off, man. I hope, I hope, I hope you can reach to somebody, to, man. To, I hope you can save that one kid. To, because, to, go ahead, go ahead, AJ. Uh, to to all of our viewers. Please hit the like button. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Mike, how do you respond to that? Uh, first, I want to uh, say thank you, man, for recognizing. Um, that's why I'm glad we do this. And Hotep Jesus is the kind of man that allows this space for this stuff. It's amazing. Uh, and I'm thinking of how excited we are about our conversation, Rudy. And I'm like, oh, man, it's Strong Dad and uh, Hotep Goldstein are coming up. It's going to be even more fire. Holy crap. It's going to be even more fire. So but uh, let me tip my cap to you, sir, because this is what I'm saying. We need more Rudy's. We need more men that go, you know what? If I have to pick up a second shift, to provide a better education for my children, that's what I'm gonna do. And that's that's awesome. And I completely uh, tip my cap and I'm thankful for that. And once again, man, I am not trying to disrespect anybody here, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go back to, uh, I, I still don't, and I understand about the public education. Uh, I won't say his name, but we have a, a student in our class and English is his second language and he doesn't speak it very well. And so we're actually working extra hard to make sure he's caught up and that he's getting his grades and that he's learning English. And there's no extra help there. It's just something we do. However, I'm still not hearing a solution for the kids we leave behind. I'm still not hearing a solution for the kids who have a mom in jail, a dad you can't get a hold of, and a grandma raising him going, hey, help us out. And that's the thing, if there was a solution for those kids other than us being beat up by the left and beat up by the right for caring about them, I would take that solution. You know what I mean? I, I would gladly do whatever is better. But right now, the only thing I know so, to do- So, Mike, I think the question is from Rudy is, why can't you guys do it independently? And then I'm going to add on to that. Um, is there some sort of benefit- because what I'm thinking right now is you got these kids in disheveled neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. You know, is there some outreach issue to reach these families to get them to come to some homeschooling thing? Is there some advantage to you doing through public school system? But, my, you know, Rudy's asking, how come you guys cannot do this independently and build your own school or pod or something to that nature? Or is there an advantage doing it the way that you're doing it? That's actually a great question. And I'll tell you how uh, it comes to mind. Um, initially, one funding. You know what I mean? If we wanted to start our own school, that would take legit funding because we're trying to help kids who have nothing. You know what I They literally have, they don't have food, right? So, you know, it would mean money, resources, more people. And then the problem there is that you have to get state approved in a way. And then you're messing with the state's money. And you know how the government likes it when you mess with their money, right? So there's all of that to deal with. Uh, and then once again, we could reach out. And maybe as a whole, me and my wife, and if we got, say, half a dozen people, we could maybe reach out and hit 10, 20 kids at most. Whereas through the school system, there's more kids we can reach. And true story, with the team we've built, 
we have more resources. Yes, these are after school resources. These are, you know, Saturday soccer games. These are, uh, you know, I, I'm part owner in a little uh, shaken tea shop and and we do, you know, kids jujitsu there. We do kids under nine jujitsu there because it's a, a great thing to help mentally. And I think kids learn discipline and right ways to use aggression. Uh, so we do it like that. And these kids couldn't afford jujitsu classes or, or any classes after school and their parents would never take them. Right. So I guess we're using it as the, the base, if you will, we're using the public school system, uh, as we said, to poison the, I hate saying it like, man, I'm going to get misquoted and in trouble maybe. But, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, the, for lack of a better term, hotep principles. Be proud of who you are. Stand. Do not have an opinion that is immovable, and but also do not have an opinion that is not well-researched. Respect all men around you, but respect yourself first. Be the kind of man you would like to see in the world, and then understand how you can improve upon that. Man, if, if I could teach nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds that, do you know that have no one whose parents are in jail or on drugs? Do you know what a different world it would be? In my opinion, in, in my opinion. And once again, you know, we build it by the extracurriculars built around school uh, simply because we feel like, uh, you know, and, and not saying we wouldn't love to build, but once again, money, resources, and then fighting with the state to be able to get that done. Rudy, uh, how do you how would you like to respond to that? And then we'll go to closing arguments before we get Goldstein and Strong Dad in here. My thing is, to do more. Is that me? Yeah, you might not be able to reach me. Your wife's a third grade teacher, so she might be the best third grade teacher ever. And that kid might reach out and be like, okay, this is a great teacher. And next year, go to the fourth grade teacher who don't give a shit, just wants a paycheck. And then he's got to go to the fifth grade teacher who doesn't give a shit. So I feel like you'd be better off with your wife. And if you started off with five, ten kids that you get to coach, educate for year year in and year out, you probably make better results bringing up those kids personally on the side, starting at the grade level, reaching all the way up into the high school teachings, you have more time to mold the young mind where she gets them for one one year and then they turn around and get some asshole teacher who doesn't give a shit, just wants her paycheck, part of the teacher's union, wants her wants her pension and doesn't care what happens to the kids. That's that's my only point, brother. That's my only point. It's a good point. I got, I, got, I, I, I you know, you, you, you could get five, ten kids. Maybe start building up, expand, get 10, 20, get a few more teachers, start a pod, start a pod of teachers. For, and, and you get get a group of kids. Like I noticed that this, this private school my kids go to starts in kindergarten, goes, goes to 12th grade. Those kids are in the same school with the same teachers and the same – they graduated 32 seniors last year, and unfortunately 32 seniors all went to college. And I only say unfortunately because they all went from a decent school to the to the to the indoctrination center of all indoctrination centers. The, I mean, the liberal Marxist, goal, yeah. Yeah, if that's the goal, though, look at what that school did, man. It put 32 kids, they're 32 seniors. You know, it's a small school, man. It's a small school, but they get them, they get them in kindergarten, and they keep them to the 12th grade. And, and you can see they have a graduate class of 32 seniors. Every one of them went to college. Now, what happens to them from that point on, I don't know. I was there with my wife. She's a substitute at that place from time to time. 
And I got in. I started talking to the seniors. Like, don't don't go into debt. Don't don't take those student loans. Don't take those federal student loans. And my wife got mad at me. Said you can't talk to other people's kids like that. But I feel like those kids needed to hear that. But that's my thing, man. You're better off instead of being insurgent in a in a, in a cesspool of of public money, man. Especially in Oklahoma, if it went the way of West Virginia, where the money follows the kids. I think you and your wife would be better served and have better 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 way to educate and cultivate young minds doing your own thing at, at the at the fresh mic institution of learning than you would ever do in the Oklahoma public school systems. I would name it Rudy the Vets Learning of Institution before I would name uh, it. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want to name it you don't want to name it that, dude. You don't want to name it that. Brother, let's, at least uh, they could shoot then. At least they could shoot then. So yeah. <laughs> let's 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 uh, everybody say their closing yeah, arguments. The school I go to, they have a they, they have a shoot team. That's what I'm saying. Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, let, that's, that's an important lesson. Argument, What's that? Say that again. I said that basically was my closing argument. Okay. And that was my closing. Argument. Great. Great. I'm not gonna lie to you guys, man. I'm pulling up to the to the office. I gotta jump off this call and jump in a tow truck, brother. Awesome. Hey, I'm gonna tell you this so right now. Mike, let me just man, say I'm this. For, let me just say this, Rudy. Mike, I'm uh, sorry about. Oh, man, let me finish real quick, man. Mike, I'm sorry about what I said about your wife, man. But you know, man, especially if you're from the streets, man, you just don't roll up and, and take cheap shots like that, brother. I, I played with the first wrestling one, man. I understood what you were trying to do. The second one. Wasn't cake bake, man. It was pure, unadulterated insult teardowns, brother. So I'm sorry for the and I gave you that was wrong, man. I apologize for that. But I mean, you got it. I mean, you can play it off like that, man. I was just trying to do joking, man. That wasn't joking, dude. That was straight degrading and insulting. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I promise you one day you're going to be eating my kick-ass chicken wings. We're going to be watching the Raiders kick ass, and I'm going to jump up and do a Rudy impression. You're going to laugh so hard you're going to spill your beer. I promise you that. Okay? <laughs> also, right, I just man. wanted to say, man my... – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. I, I just wanted to say, man, I wanted to leave on these two points. One, uh, in The Art of War, it says – one good spy is worth a thousand valuable soldiers. Okay. So if you have someone who is true to this and is blue to this and is out there in that world and is trying to be the example, cause you don't get to lead with words cause they will shut you directly down. Just like you said, in the streets, if you come up on somebody, they will shut you directly down. So you have to live and embody these uh, examples and these principles on a daily while you understand and while you're gathering that information that is the spy that is as valuable as the soldiers. Then uh, I know not everybody submits to the Bible, and that's okay because this is also in the Torah and very similar to the Dhammapada and the Bhagavad Gita. So in all of these, it says this one thing, um, and it's something that I, I truly believe in, that is train a child in the right way when they are young. And when they are old, they are not, they will not depart from it. I am living proof that I had one year of a good basketball coach. I had one year of a good teacher here and there. 
and they still in my 40s impact my life today. So, yeah, maybe I went on to worse teachers, worse people, but it was because of the good that was done at one specific time uh, that I value and why I kind of do what I do now. And I just want to say thank you all for the opportunity. This was amazing. Thank you, HJ. Thank you, Rudy. Awesome. Great debate, fellas. I love that it ended amicably and amiably. I can't wait to drink a beer with you guys at the Grifties live. Do me a favor. Just hit the leave button and then we'll get Goldstein and Strong Dad. They're waiting in the green room right now. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Hotep is for the children. Hotep and build them out. <laughs> the undercard. Wow. Wow. Real quick, let me just do a real quick quick recap of the undercard before we bring Strong Dad and Goldstein in here. First of all, I'm glad it ended like it did. These guys should be some peace in the chat now. And 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 that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this debate to to get that bad blood out of here and really move forward. So we're not in the chat rehashing the past over and over again. I'd also like to say, um, I was quite impressed with Rudy's arguments. Um, not to say that I expected him to lose or I didn't expect him. I just didn't know what he was going to come with. I was just, and he came with some really, really, really good arguments. And um, I appreciated that. And I think it turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful debate. I did want to start the debate off with the petty stuff, get that out the way, because I didn't want the petty stuff to resurface later on in the in the debate and then ruin the debate. So I want to get that stuff out of the way really early so we can get to the real nitty gritty of the content. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Strong Dad versus Goldstein right after this commercial break. <laughs> yeah, I can try to get that handled for you. Again, it's only my second day, so if you can give me a second. How am I supposed to do this? How the hell are we supposed to do this by 5 o'clock? I have no clue. Is that possible? Hey, do you have the password to... How'd you finish all your work already? He's not tapped in. Mm-mm. How'd you get that done so quick? They think they're gonna be able to budget that? It's money. That's money right there, you understand? You guys finished your work six hours early? He's not tapped in. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent.
Views and opinions expressed by Hotep Jesus are those of Hotep Jesus's and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Hotep Nation or any of its officials. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our Office of General Counsel via the Chief of the Town. Two, one, boom. Hotep Jesus. Of all the Jesuses I know, he's the Hotepiest. Social scientist and YouTube host, Hotep Jesus. How the fuck do you get a name like Hotep Jesus? The one and only Hotep Jesus. Ryan Sharp, better known to the world as Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Hotep, you're a genius. HotepJesus.com. Somebody said... What do you think you are? Some kind of Hotep Jesus? Ooh, yeah, that's that was good. Just like, ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> yes, I do think I'm Hotep <laughs> Jesus. A what? It's on this side, right? Here. Ladies and gentlemen, the main event is finally <laughs> upon us. Oh, this is oh, this a real, oh, this a real, oh, this a real hotel, brother. Hotel. Strong Dad is grabbing something right now. Maybe some fight props. We don't know what he's about to pull up with. Maybe he's about to put on a wig like Uncle Hotep last night for Hotep Court. <laughs> Goldstein is here. What up, Goldstein? I just keep going. He like, was over there signing his life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Stroll Dad, what up, man? He popping shit already, bro. What's up? It's all right. It's all right. I, you know, it's good. I ain't tripping. <laughs> I just had to get comfortable. I, I was wearing my work clothes. It was feeling stuffy. Oh, okay. Yeah, get loose. Get loose. It's about to go up. Ladies and gentlemen, today's debate is about some very, very interesting subjects the first the primary subject we want to talk about can felons aka ex-cons move into uh, a leadership role that's that's number one and then a little bit later we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about uh the importance of young pharaoh and uh maybe the 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 nose piercing if it comes to that um, fellas, would you like me to flip a coin to see who goes first here? Or would you, would somebody like to volunteer? Either way works fine for me. Uh, well, in the words of Papa Doc in eight miles, since I am the one being challenged, let that bitch go first. <laughs> Ghosting, <laughs> what do you say? Do you want me to flip a coin or would you like to go first? Flip a coin. Flip a coin. All right, let's wow. let fate decide. That's what I like to see. So I don't have a coin. I have my old driver's license here. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to just flip it and see which way it lands. You ready? Heads yeah. and tails. Heads. All right. You call heads? Heads. It landed heads. It landed heads. Like I said, let him go first. Goldstein, you're on the clock. Um, I'm going to set for the first round. We're going to set a timer after that. It's not going to be any timers. I'm going to set the timer for two minutes. Give you two minutes. You don't have to use up the whole two minutes, but you will have to end at the two minute mark. Um, should Do we felons, get an introduction? Do you get introduction? What do you mean? 
you know what I'm saying? Like what, like, like what, what's the, what's the style of this? You know what I'm saying? Like on the, uh, the, like the Sonetta style where we get to, where, where we have an opening statement. And yes, then, you're going to have an opening to... statement. Yes, you're going to come out with your okay. opening statement. Right. That's going to be two All minutes. Right. You get two minutes apiece with your opening statement. And then we'll just open the floor and uh, I'll chime in with questions. Chat, if chat wants to ask questions, go ahead and super chat. I invite everybody to super chat. Um, so the topic today is should uh, ex-cons or felons move into a leadership role in the community? Goldstein, you're on the clock. Set timer for two minutes. Set timer for two minutes. All right. Um, my premise on this is pretty easy to demonstrate. Uh, the fact of the matter is that while, and I'm not saying that an ex-con can't do the job. What I'm saying is you're better off as someone who is giving the job to choose from a different pool of individuals for a number of reasons. And I have, like I said, numbers to back that up. So that's my opening statement as far as that goes. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Strong dad. You're on the clock. I kind of understood what he said, kind of didn't, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, uh, my premise is essentially that I do believe that felons can be put in leadership positions. Uh, I do not think that they are particularly better or worse than other qualified individuals. I just do believe that uh, the life experience of felons gives those who employ tactics for growth properly the ability to excel in ways that uh, those who don't have that life experience uh, would. So, you know, that's pretty much where I stand on that. They should be given the opportunity to hold positions of power uh, if they show themselves adept. Uh, and I think that felons will fulfill this role quite well uh, especially the ones that are in the community already leading. Wonderful. Didn't even need the two minutes. Okay. Let's go ahead and open up the floor real quick before we get into that. Let's handle some business. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. Uh, everybody knows um, to, uh, on the right-hand side of the screen, we have Hotep Goldstein, who is a felon. And on the left-hand side of the screen, everybody knows Strong Dad. Strong Dad June was named after him. Um, also a felon. So if anybody is going to talk about this topic, we picked two of the right people to have a discussion about this. Uh, Goldstein, it's your world. All right. So, again, I want to reiterate the fact that I don't think that felons are incapable of doing the job just like anyone else. They're capable of doing anything that they, uh, that they set their mind to. But as an employer, as someone who is an employer or based on how this even started in the first place, because my premise is also based on the idea that I don't 
necessarily think that a felon should be the face of an operation when it comes to a political movement. That's where this all stemmed from. The, the original argue stemmed from the, from the idea that I think that within certain political movements, there's only certain, there's only room for certain type of images because those images, because they, they can end up being a detriment to the movement felon being one of those things. And so, but even beyond just the political movement, just based on the numbers alone, let's say removing all emotion from it, let's say you are an, you are a, 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 a job provider, right? And your, your, your base, what you have to pick from your pool to pick from is everyone who is currently incarcerated as well as on parole. Okay. So that's your entire base to pull from as a job provider. And I am a guy who's looking to fill a leadership role within my corporation. Okay. So I come to you to look for an employee. Now, just by the numbers alone, 76% of what you have to offer me will be no good to me within the matter of five years because they will have recidivated. 76% of what you have to offer is no longer any good to me past five years. So the best that I could do is even if I'm a magnanimous dude, who's just looking to give motherfuckers job, the best I can do maybe middle management with them, but definitely in some type of capacity, as far as service goes, janitors, things of this nature. All right. Because I can't depend on the fact that just by the numbers alone, a Northwestern study showed this 76% recidivism rate within five years. Mm. So now we're talking 20, 24% is left that you have to offer me as way uh, by way of an employee. So 24%. Now out of that 24%, who's viable to me, who has the skills, who's a skilled worker, who's not. So that whittles that 24% down. Now I got to consider a few things when it comes to inmate population as well, because 85% of the inmate population struggles with alcohol or drug addiction. And this was based on a Columbia study, 85%. Out of that 24%, I'm fairly certain after the recidivism people have been disqualified, I'm fairly certain out of that 24% that's left, a significant number of them have that drug and alcohol problem. So that whittles it down even further. Whatever that number is you're left with after you weed out people who have pathological behavior that won't necessarily end up with them being back in prison, but pathological behavior like stealing or lying, right? Who's left after that? Now, I think there's close to maybe 3 million people in America, 3 million people uh, in, in the prison system jails and prison combined, All right? So we're talking maybe to be generous, I'll say maybe 15% of that is what's left. 
I would just assume go to a bigger pool of potential candidates from people who haven't been locked up. Now you could do the same on the other side. You could whittle them down by things that potentially, potentially could disqualify them from the job. But at the end of the day, no matter how you whittle down both sides, there will always be that one strike against you that will disqualify you because it could potentially come back and harm me as somebody who's trying to employ you. And for that reason, it would behoove someone who's trying to start a movement or a corporation or whatever the case may be to weigh out exactly how important it is you get that thing off the ground. Because if we're talking about a, a corporation, there's tons of room in there for uh, uh, felons because the stakes aren't as high. Things aren't as dire there. But when we're talking about a movement, every move counts. Every last move counts. And if all things being equal, I can put someone with the same skill set who I personally like the same and all the things being equal, except for the fact one is a felon and one isn't, I'm putting the one who isn't at the head because when the attacks come, not if, but when they come to your political movement, they're going to use the fact that it's headed up by a felon to besmirch the movement. And while that may not be a bad thing, if you're a betting man, you're going to go with the odds that are best for the success of your movement. That's it. Strong dad. It's on you. Can you guys hear me good? We can hear you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to cover some of the points and I guess present my argument based off of that. Uh, I guess my first question would be, why are we even debating this? Why are we even debate this? Uh, you know, uh, honestly, this comes down to uh, nuance, if anything else. It doesn't come down to uh, black and white. And I'm going to present an argument that shows why it can't be perceived as black and white. Um, of course, I'm going to start out by saying when I said that felons should be able to be put in a position of power, uh, I didn't speak uh, monolithically. You know, when you are pulling from a pool of potentials, you don't pull from, you know, isolated pools. You pull from a larger pool. You know, uh, you pull from their qualifications, you uh, you pull from their experience. It's not just uh, the few things that separate them as a minority that you pull from. So, you know, I, I don't speak for everyone when I say that, which is why I say, why are we debating this? This is a situation of this is this is about nuance. So anyway. Fel uh, felons in their personage being a detriment to a movement. Um, and this goes to the political perspective that you have. Uh, I am a felon. I'm a violent felon. Uh, I, you know, I hurt a person with a weapon and uh, I hurt another person with a weapon and I was put on the high side and I was sentenced to 14 years. You know, I, I have the kind of record that would scare 
most people trying to lead a movement. Uh, you know, my when you look me up, the it actually it calls it calls what I did a series of stabbings because the you know how the news works the news it just reports they don't actually get the facts you know uh, they call me the Metro Bandit okay all of this is at a Google search all of this is at a quick Google search of Trey Quinn Prime Metro so if I were to be leading a movement well I mean they would just use that to try to take that movement down. However, however, during the summer of the George Floyd protests here in Colorado, Goldstein, I led one of those movements. This, this big megaphone right here led for an entire summer. I led so good and so adeptly, even as a felon, that all of the circumstances you spoke of, they bounced off of me as if I was, you know, a, a superhero almost. They had to resort to creating charges that they would give to anybody, which they did, in order to take me down. They said, well, all of you guys did this action, so we're going to arrest you all. But they continuously tried to single me out. And I'm going to tell you right now, they didn't single me out on, you know, on, uh, on, on that just occasion. The FBI itself actually showed up and constructed a case against us. And the FBI saw my unification of these groups as a threat and the existence of these groups themselves as a threat. So, you know, these other groups were doing, you know, semi-violent actions, things like this. Uh, my rhetoric was violent. My rhetoric was semi-violent, but they were performing actions that were making the police concerned that they would get more people hurt and that they would uh, destroy more. But the things that I were doing, the reason they put me into this case was because I was uniting all of these groups under a better philosophy. I was trying to turn these people hotel, a felon, a violent felon, whose tweets and record were used on multiple occasions to try to besmirch the political movement. They chose me as a target because I was more adept at handling these things because I learned from a history from other felons who lead and who have led from how they were taken down. Whenever they tried to, you know, use my record against me, I simply showed them the connection that we here on Hotep Nation talk about all the time, the nuance, which is what you accuse me of not having. So when I look at a felon besmirching a movement, all I can see is all of the black men, all of the felons who led movements, who the higher powers resorted to murdering because they could not take them down on the court of theology. So this this point you made, it makes no sense to me. Okay. Recidivism. You spoke about recidivism. First of all, we all know if we actually you know, like me and you and Rudy and anyone who's been a felon, we know that the recidivism numbers are buffed. They're not actual numbers based on them taking an act to help these felons. They release the worst ones whom they know will recidivize and they table the paroles and hold the ones who they know won't. People like me, they assumed would go right back, which is why I was given preferential treatment over many of my peers who were much, much better, who had less of a history, who had lower crime rate, uh, lower crime uh, 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 occurrences. These people got out after me. 
I got that preferential treatment because they believed I would recidivize. I went on to lead a movement and run a business. So I'll, I'll speak about the business aspect too, because I like what you said, but I still disagree. So when it comes to recidivism, if my premise is felons should be put in a position of power, then we're going to fix the recidivism rates by releasing those who are actually taking the steps to be released. Because the ones, that small percentage of felons you talk about who are able to make it through all of that, we end up being some of the best people in society. We're not trying to put everyone in power. We're trying to put them in power, give them a position of control. So I would ref I would just revitalize recidivism as it is and stop releasing the people who are on the gang watch list and start releasing the guys who have attended every single program, which we know these dudes, they'll, they'll attend every single program in there, you know, that, that, that's possible so they can get released. And then some dude who shows up, tattoos on his face, gets in and gets out before him. And he sits there waiting for the halfway house. I would fix it so he's the one getting out. And the idiot is waiting for the halfway house. The people whom you're really more concerned about. That's, that's, recidivism is a crutch. Let, it's pretty let, much a crutch. All right, let's stop there and let uh, Goldstein respond. Goldstein, uh, how, how do you want to respond to that? Um, most of the evidence you gave is anecdotal. And while that shit has a place, it, it kind of doesn't take a few things into account. Um, first, I want to address your, your, uh, your activism, your activism. And this is not a slight on your activism. You know how I am. Okay. You know how I am. You know, I'm with the shit, you know, I like that activist shit. Right. But you gave a detailed account about how tumultuous your time as an activist was correct. Not necessarily. I mean, you detailed pretty, pretty significantly how tumultuous your time as an activist was because of how the feds were coming at you because of your past and they had your past to use against you. Uh -huh. And they had all these things, these weapons that they could have used against you, how effective they used them. Who knows? I, I don't know the details that's, of your, of your story. Yeah, that's not that's not what I said. I, I I essentially said that they couldn't use my being a felon, and so I they resorted that. to what I they get could that. get everybody with, which get that. takes away but the felon part completely. They couldn't use it, but you had it for them to look into other things and to treat you in a way to where they wouldn't necessarily have treated someone who didn't have your past. No, no, a lot, a lot so? of the, I mean, there was, there was seven of us in total that were arrested and we all came from multiple types of past, but the, what, what separated me from the rest of them was that, and this is, this is, this is in paperwork. This is what the FBI said was that I was a uniting presence, but what I was doing was still causing, uh, it was still causing, uh, disruption to what you know to the plant to what they were trying to do you know i was just trying to get the unhoused help but i was able to do it more effectively and because they saw my uniting presence they decided i was a target 
And so they started with me being a felon and failed and then took me and many others of multiple different backgrounds down. So my being a felon didn't actually hinge on this at all. It actually helped me out because I had experience with manipulators and so on and so forth. It helped you out. But again, all things being equal, I can't help but think if someone who had your credentials, your charisma and everything you brought to the table outside of the fact that they had a felony record, I think that not only their growth within the movement, but uh, um, by way of them having that ability to grow within the movement, the movement would have grown a lot less tumultuously. Like if you had like Cory Booker's upbringing or some goddamn body or his background, if their attacks would have only been able to go so far, if anything, it would have made you a sympathetic figure. But in the eyes of the public, even though you were wronged, a lot of them are going to say, well, he was a felon anyway, though. That's, that's literally not, there've been multiple articles, interviews, things released that just okay. are the complete opposite. So I'm. But I don't. I don't want to get. I don't, don't want to get. Hold on. I don't want to get lost in the weeds on yeah, your particular get... story, because again, that's anecdotal. What I'm saying is, from the outside looking in, even your story will take you out of the equation, and we'll just take your story. Okay. I think it would be. I think it would have been more beneficial for people who organized whatever movement you had going on to have put someone in your position, equal skill set, but without the felony. I think and it would have been did. more beneficial. They did. They tried that after I left and that created a vacuum of violence in Denver. And it was because this person was paid for it. This person was able to be persuaded because they didn't have the same experience. And this is actually... There's a, a a great podcast called The Alphabet Boys. It talked about this entire thing that you're talking about and how removing people like myself made it worse for the entire movement that was happening in Denver specifically. I get that. But as uh, outside of specific examples, I mean, because the facts are just because you can point to some extreme examples being the rule in that instance doesn't make them the overall rule. They're outlier. They're outlier right. examples. You're an outlier Correct. example. Malcolm Correct. X is an outlier example. Correct. But, but the, 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 the actual rule is you are more likely to run afoul by putting someone with a checkered past, alcoholism, uh, uh, drug use, felony records, all this shit. You're, you, you, you are better served by not utilizing that within the framework of a movement. It, like uh, I said, it ranges, it, much disagree. it ranges, but within the framework of a movement, you're going to want to put the best possible person in the position to make the movement succeed in the best possible way. If you genuinely give a fuck about the movement. Correct. That's, that's not wrong. The, the only thing I'll say is that again, if you're, if you're trying to give uh, felons who are adept positions of power, you're not looking for 
everybody. You're looking for the anecdotal story, the person who's capable. You're looking for a Khalid or a Malcolm. You're looking for a me. And this is how you create an effective movement by finding someone with that experience, but also with that knowledge of what is happening on the ground at that moment. That separates you being chosen from the other pool of felons because let's let's be honest you can you can find this type of failure in anybody you can find this type of failure in any civilian who doesn't have a checkered pass because a lot of times people without a checkered pass also have no life experience and these are two things that separate real leaders from leaders who just try and so if I'm looking for leaders and I'm going to put uh, felons in power, I'm going to look for those who have navigated that field properly. I'm not just going to look for everybody, which is, again, why I said, why are we debating this? Because what did I say on the phone call? I said, not everybody, because I got homies who are felons who we shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? They, they need to go back. Some of them need to go back. But there are ones who have done the footwork, who have laid the framework to be better leaders than some of the leaders we've had, which is a me reiterating what I said on the Griff Report. So this shouldn't be up for debate, because if you find a guy who's actually ready to lead and he's a felon and you put the guy who's also qualified and not a felon uh, next to each other, that life experience is the only thing that separates the two of them. And if he's done that footwork, then you know that life experience is much deeper than the civilian. That's that's what I'm saying. Well, in terms of, of, of life experience, you don't think that someone with a military background would be far more them suitable? Too. Them too. Them too. That's them what too. I mean. It's, it's not necessarily a background thing. Like um, to, to, to say that felons are a better pick simply based on the fact that they've been locked up, they've been through some shit and they have some life experience. And then to just completely negate the fact that someone who's never been to prison could have the same or more life experience would seem to elevate being locked up past where it actually should be. You see what I'm saying? I I, I still, I think that, I think that you're not applying nuance to the situation because if, if I were, if, if I had an employer, my first employer who got me into painting, right? If he thought like this, then I would have never been where I am now running my own painting business. And I do feel like, you know, the way you're using this is you're just kind of like spreading it, you're spreading the brush very broad. We're not talking about all of these other people. We're talking about the ones who can. And their background, their background doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make them better or worse. But if you yourself have life experience and you are the employer, then you are a better judge of character than most. You know, employers have to judge the character of the people they employ. They don't just have to judge their skill level. And so I'm not saying the person with a background and without a background, like the character is going to be better or worse, but there's just things you can see in the character of felons who are ready to succeed that you don't see in the general public who just want a job. And again, I'm, I'm in the trade field and the majority 
I'll tell you, and, and this is still anecdotal, but the majority of moving construction, painting, and trade businesses out here in Colorado are led by felons, are owned by whole felons who have, you know, they, they've lived their life and they've uh, turned over their new leaf and they hire felons. And the infrastructure here has no problem growing. The, the leadership skills are abundant and they're everywhere. You know, I when when you actually uh, the Nation of Islam, they they proved this best. They they took men who were felons and turned them around. And during during the time when Elijah was alive, they were a booming success. The black community itself had a projection of actually having a positive net growth during the time of Elijah's life. And it was because of the transformation of communities being led by primarily black men in and out of prison. So even if that's anecdotal, again, we're not talking about everybody. We're talking about the few who are qualified and ready. I mean, I got a book up here, the book of Khalid, his whole entire story. He chose men who had a checkered past to lead the movement and they led it better. They killed Khalid because they couldn't stop him on the on the battlefield of thought. They couldn't stop him in the battlefield of image. They couldn't stop him in the battlefield of rhetoric. So they took his life and scared those who followed him. But he chose from the pool of the downtrodden because those were the ones who were actually making a chain. That's come on. This is this this has happened in our community time and time again. So I don't see why it's so weird to think, oh, if we gave a felon the ability to, uh, like a felon who's politically astute, if we gave him the ability to lead, that he couldn't lead a community better. A lot of our community leaders are already felons. The ones who do good, despite the rising tide of violent young men, the ones who actually change these young men's lives, who are they? They're felons, your social workers. Who are they? A lot of them, the best ones are felons, are ones who have been through that. We are, positions of power don't mean positions of the highest authority. Positions of power could also mean in your community, in your, in your small area, where you are giving people who have no experience the right to speak more than these people who are, uh, who, who are analyzing our community and actually making change. These are places where felons should be given more power, where they should be given the chance, where they don't have to check off that box to get the job that could put their community over the edge of actually making money. This is, these are, I could, I, I'll go on way too long. I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, again, there's always going to be examples that you can point to of people who were successful, who were felons, who were leaders, and damn good ones. For every one example you can point to of that, you can point to 20 in the opposite direction, though, because that's the mean. That's, that's, the, that's the majority of yes. how that goes down. Yes. Um, Who cares about them, though? But, but listen, got, hold on, hold on, learn. strong dad. Let him cook. He let you cook. You got to let him cook. The the character situation. I addressed that when I said all things being equal. So if you're of equal character, if you're of equal skill, if you're of equal fortitude, if you're of equal faith, all things being equal. You're better served by putting someone in the position of the leadership of your movement who does not have a felony past because instantly that felony past hurts your movement. 
more than the other guy does. So you're Depends already ham, you're already hamstringing your movement. Hold on a second. That's just, Strong Dad, next time you cut him off, I'm going to mute you. Sorry. You're you're already hamstringing your movement in that regard. So just on its face, like I said, all things being equal, you have a felony record, I don't have a felony record. You get the face of the operation role of a new movement. We're trying to start new political party, new, whatever the case may be. You're hamstringing it right off the rip. People have this weird habit of prejudging shit. Just the average folk out there, just the average folk, the herd, as it were, this is what they do. This is how humans have operated since the beginning of time. And I don't see that change in no time soon. So when people are like, yo, let's recruit, let's, let's, let's put, let's put this out there and get people to come over to our side, our way of thinking, we'll go out there. We'll say all the, the things they want to hear. We'll, we'll give our fucking, our platform, what we stand for, all that shit. The minute they hear, damn, strong dad has a felony though. They're going to be like, I'm good. You see, there's really no way around that. So no matter how good of a talker you are, no matter how good of a leader you are, no matter any of that, the fact that that is on your resume could at some point be utilized as not just a weapon against you, but a weapon against the movement and a weapon against everyone who subscribes to the movement. And depending on how good you really are at spreading that awareness of your movement and how at odds it comes to with the, the overall narrative that the motherfucking powers that be would have, that is sitting there waiting for them. The fact that you were a felon, the fact that you had a checkered pass, all that. So now you could get away for years without that having come up. But the minute you run into a position of power that doesn't quite agree or line up with where you're trying to take things, all they got to do at that point is dig up some hooker that you smacked in a Home Depot uh, a parking lot over a $20 rock that she tried to take out of your hand, right? Because that bitch exists because you were a felon and you lived that life. So now they go find this bitch, me to you, the movement shot, all of that shit is shot. When all they had to do is at the beginning of the shit, just be like, listen, yeah, you're a felon, but you don't give us the best possible chance of success for being the face of this operation. We're going to put this guy in. That's not to say that you can't still heavily influence the movement. That's not to say that you can't heavily influence the guy who's the face of the movement. But the fact remains that that felony record at any point in time is a thorn in your side, depending on who's pushing at it. And not just yours, but the movements. So any good leader, I think, in, in, in my estimation, any true good leader would be able to see that and remove himself from the conversation to the degree that he is able to still be effective within the shit 
but not necessarily take on leadership roles in that regard. You don't have to, you don't really have to, to be effective. It's not really about you at the end of the day. It's about the movement, or at least it should be. That should always come first. And so your decision-making, if you are a good leader, should be based along those lines. Now, if you're a guy who's in it for some ego, and that's not even necessarily a bad thing, but to the degree that that's your motivation, that's truly going to be the success of your movement to the degree you're able to remove your ego and put the movement first. What I do know after being a felon for most of my life is that felons are the most egocentric people that you will ever meet. And that is evident by the fact that they decided to put themselves before the law. So that's 100% across the board when it comes to felons. At any moment in time, that demon can surface. And I would rather dig from a pool of people who don't necessarily have that demon on display. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'll know that, but just to already know that going in, that's a service that you can't really provide to a lot of people who are trying to find employers. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Um, very impressed by both of you. Very, very, very impressed by both of you. Chat, hit the like button, hit the subscribe. Super chat if you'd like to comment, please and thank you. Strong Dad, um, you are on the clock, sir. How would you like to respond to that? I see, you see you were making some faces there, et cetera, et cetera. So go ahead and express yourself. Listen, this is, this is, again, you know, how I had gotten the moniker of having no nuance is a, it, it's it's crazy to me because I still do not believe that, you know, my opponent here sees the nuance in this at all. Um, the, the nuance being the anecdotal evidence, right? Because again, I, I was making all these faces because everything you said that as a felon who was in one of these positions, my experience was the complete polar opposite. And I just, I don't think you have as open of a view because you're still on the battlefield of thought. You know, you're not relaxed and in the, you're not in Hotepistan. You're at the gates fighting and slaying the enemy so much the fog of war has, got, has gotten to you that you don't see the nuance in anything. Because, I mean, you can't, when you're in the battlefield, you can't see the nuance. Otherwise, someone can slay you. You have to be direct, right? So I understand that. But this is not black and white circumstance. You know, uh, as a former leader of a political movement that created things from nothing, as a former leader of a political movement that created things from nothing, who is also a violent felon, when they first try to do, as you say, use my checkered past to take down the movement. They failed because I am Hotep. Because I am Hotep. Again, if you are Hotep, these don't, that's why we look at the anecdotes. Khalid was Hotep. They couldn't use who he was to destroy his truth. They, they had to kill him. They had to kill him. Malcolm, they had to kill him. 
This is what I'm talking about. When I'm looking for leaders, I'm looking for men who exemplify these, the, the, these great men in our past. And the black community, we have this thing where you have men who put on the uniform of these men, but don't embody their life. And then you have those who hide in the cut and embody their life without the uniform. And I'm looking for those men to be leaders. When, when I was out there in the streets, sometimes I had to make uh, groups small groups that would lead the protests and run things when I was sleeping or when I was at work or taking a break, if I had gotten caught. So we had to install, you know, many leaders. And a lot of these young black men who I pointed to were men from lives of crime who also were able to carry the same message because I ho-tepped, I ho-tepped inceptualized my thoughts into their brain, into their brain. I was out there. I was watching. I was literally watching Hotep Nation, you know, every Thursday. And then I would go out there and I would employ what I learned out there. How do I reach past these minds? Because that's what we talk about. We're de we deconstruct the, the, the lost person when we're in Hotep Nation. So that's what I was doing. I was taking Hotep to the street. That's all you got to do is deliver a felon, real Hotep to help him release himself. He's going to find his way to you if he is wanting to find his way. And these are the ones we wanna put in charge. These are the ones we wanna give positions of power because they are almost bulletproof. Oh, you did this in the past. There's a way to speak against what you did in the past. I took the backside of an ax and hit a person in the face and broke his friend's eye socket on a wall. I left a apartment full of blood. They called me a slasher. These are the things that they tried to do in the very, very beginning to take me down. This is the person who's leading the violent protests in Denver. This was the narrative. But I am adept at the narrative and I understand rhetoric on a deeper level. So when I came out there with my megaphone and I addressed what they said about me, I told them the truth and I told them how I evolve and why I am here today. And that story incites, incites like, you know, like they, they, they get powered. They, I, you know, they become empowered and they're ready to, 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 to change the world. And I used that. I used that because I knew that they would use my past to take me down. When I first came out, I didn't hide my name. When I introduced myself, I let them know I was a felon. I told them I was a violent felon. I come from a bad life. I've done this. There's videos of me doing this. Whole YouTube uh, accounts that were based on me coming out saying this shit. I did exactly what Khalid told us to do. I did exactly how Khalid planned it out. And it worked. I knew, though, that they would not be able to take me down because of my past. So they would take down the extremities of an organization. That's how they do. They can't take you down. They take everyone else around you down. Me being a felon and them not being able to take me down and having to find other ways, uncompromised non-felons to take me down is proof, one, that you can compromise anybody, but 
to uh two if it's a felon who knows what's up you're gonna have a lot less time it's gonna be harder to compromise him they couldn't compromise me so they compromised everyone around me with no background and they stayed away from the other felons and the one felon that they also tried to take down with me also did the same thing and how did he do that he consulted me and i told him what he really needed to say ghosting that's, that's what we want man go ghosting do you want to respond to that and let me read some super chats before you go if you do sure okay um over on Rumble, shout out to our Rumblers, Rumble Ranting. Retro Neon said, not going to lie, Goldstein has that Art of War face. I don't know about Kwame, though. Um, <laughs> go on, you Kwame. <laughs> they got jokes Yo, man, in the that's chat. Disrespectful. <laughs> they, they're disrespectful in the Rumble chat. It's different over there. But in all seriousness, Strong Dad is a great example of someone bettering their life after doing time. Goldstein, you still a crazy motherfucker. Uh, nothing but love for both of y'all. Um, see, there's love too. Fuego de Bacerero, he said, both are making great points. I think it's important in our police state society to differentiate between violent or property felons and crimes against the state. Tari said, Goldstein, don't you think you might be conflating leadership in a movement to being the face? One can make the argument that any movement should have at least a leader with certain proclivities. Uh, YouTube, um, Kay, thank you very much for the super chat. I appreciate it. Shout out to Kay. Shout out to all our super chatters. I appreciate y'all. Freaking amazing. Ghosting, how would you like to respond? Uh, your particular story, your particular set of circumstances kind of lays out exactly my point, if you think about it. Because in all the time that you spent um, defending your stance as being a leader and knowing and having to plan for instances where your past would come up, um, having to speak on it, having to divert energy to it, possibly even resources to just playing defense in that regard around that particular issue, that time would have been better spent being proactive about your message instead. And the fact that you had to do that to some degree just illustrates even further why someone with your same credentials minus the felony record would have been more effective in the position because he wouldn't have had to spend any time ever addressing that. That's it. Uh, strong dad, I'm going to let you respond and then we'll move into the next segment of the debate about young Pharaoh. All right. I mean, quite simply to say that it didn't, it didn't take any resources. I was the only resource. It took just my faculties when, as a matter of fact, the only person I had to consult about it was my wife. You know, when, whenever those situations came up, I just, you know, we, we, we sat in our own bubble and we talked about how I would, uh, you know, attack this. But that's the same thing with any person, felony or not. You, it, on, on the rise to the top, you're going to deal, if they want to take you down, you're going to have to deal with uh, accusations and allegations. And it doesn't matter what color the accusation or allegation, it's going to happen. And so 
The only difference is that my first accusation and allegation is me being a felon while um, a, a good example, because there was another guy out there who had something way worse, who actually was, you know, who was accused of way worse. Tay Anderson. Y'all remember Tay Anderson, um, the guy who was accused of grooming kids. He had to deal with that and he's not a felon. So, again, I mean, I get what you're trying to say, but. That only matters to those who, again, are not adept at doing that, at leading. And why are we choosing those who aren't adept at leading? If a felon, no, not- you know, I, I, we, there were multiple groups that were created out here at the same time that I took leadership position in the group that we led. And I was, this was the only felon led group. And it was the only one that they saw that was half as near as dangerous as an entire political organization known as PSL. So that, you know, that nationwide organization was their target just as much as this small organization that was felon led and all of these other ones that weren't felon led, they destroyed, they destroyed them. They, 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 they brought them to the ground with, with, uh, you know, accusations, allegations, small little, you know, tweets they might've made random things like that. They couldn't do that to us. So, I mean, what you're saying, I get it, but it doesn't work to your point because that didn't happen. And it didn't happen for a number of other reasons. It didn't happen because you had possibly a strong base that they couldn't just attack easily. But I can tell you this, one of the weapons that your movement had in its favor was not the fact that you were a felon. I actually disagree because the people we were trying to get aid to, a lot of them are felons. And so my backstory itself led creed uh it gave credence to anyone who followed me so you it know we're trying asset. to i'm sure it, it, was, an it, it, it was an Don't asset it was it, it was wasn't an it wasn't a detriment it was an asset and it, it it's an asset, asset that if if you're trying to lead a, a community you know that is primarily of uh of violent young men uh people who are felons people who have big criminal past the person who probably best represents how that community can actually change is someone who has participated within that you know if you come out of a bad community and you're like Jason Whitlock no one cares about what you actually have to say for that community. If you come out of a community like that and you come out like Khalid did or something like that, then you have more power because you have an experience that people can connect to. And people are all about the experience. And you can scare someone with someone being a felon, but you can also connect someone with someone being a felon. This is why felons and military veterans get along so well, because even though they both come from different places, there's one core thing that they learn while they're in the service and while you're behind bars that connects them both. That experience right there is so visceral being incarcerated and being on the battlefield that even though they're different, they come together. And these people also happen to be hard workers because they're going, they're fighting a narrative their entire life that they're not a hard worker or they're not not this and not that. So when you find one who actually wants to beat that narrative, you're going to find he does much better than the ones who don't have a narrative like that. You know, they, oh, I, they beat me up in high school, you know, but they're, they just want to have a good job. But then you got a guy who wants to show his family that he can be a better man than he used to be. He lost everything and he ends up owning the construction company. 
you know, he ends up owning, you know, you know, this and that. So I, anecdotes, anecdotes in this particular scenario that we're talking about are going to be more beneficial to my point than your point, because we're not looking for anybody. We're looking for the exceptions in a group to lead. You know what I'm saying? That's, but, but we can, we should agree to disagree if we can't find consensus there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I'm feeling like Sarnetta in here. Y'all got me feeling like Sarnetta today. <laughs> Yo, Fresh Mike, thank you for the five dollars. Right, let's move into our second topic of the debate. The importance of Young Pharaoh. Now, I had Young Pharaoh on the platform a few months back. And uh, Goldstein said, you know what? His actions during uh, the interview made him feel like he was an insurgent. And then uh, Strong Dad disagreed, and Strong Dad said, no, Young Farrell is important to the community. Goldstein says uh, he is not important to the community. This time we're going to have Strong Dad lead off, and then Goldstein goes second. Strong Dad, why is Young Farrell important to the black community? Or are we, I think we're saying to the black community specifically, right? Yes. Okay. Hold on, I want to just, I got my other laptop here, Scott, because this right here is where I think that there's an actual, there could be an actual disagreement. I still don't think that it's prime for the best debate, but I will, you know, I, I picked this kind of as a last moment thing. Okay, so, Young Pharaoh. I believe that Young Pharaoh and even a young pharaoh, but we'll say young pharaoh specifically, is a vital uh, component of the black community, and not just the black community of Hotep itself. And I am going to explain why, okay? And I'm gonna try to keep it uh, concise because, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a rabbit hole of why he could, why he is vital, but I'm gonna pick out the best points. Okay, now I know what my opponent is gonna say already. Insurgent, insurgent. Have y'all ever seen uh what was the, the the mummy with that with that black nigga? He was like, it's cursed. This place is cursed. This is that's this this is my nigga right here. This is my nigga right here. This is my dude Goldstein. Okay. Everything is an insurgent. <laughs> and, and listen, listen, I understand the uh I understand the concept of insurgency. So I get what he means when he says that it, you know, this and that is an insurgent. But this is what I mean. This is helping me out because I do believe that insurgencies, right? Those who are this person, they are very vital to any community, especially the Hotep community. But insurgents are a vital thing. They have a utility, okay? So let me get to my points here. I don't have like a screen share or nothing like that. I don't, I don't be knowing how to do that shit. So. You can you can send whatever you want to share. You can send it to the DM and I'll pull it up on the screen. It don't look pretty. I don't want people to see my typos. All right. So point. I have four points. Four points, and that's it. And then I'll spend this whole time, uh, you know, feeding blows if that's what I got to do. Okay. Four points. Point number one. He exists as a cautionary tale, okay? Meaning, 
If you truly intend to take a deeper field of study leading into this mindset, you must understand how opening the very doors can both propel you into becoming a prophet or losing your mind. You can, when you're trying to become truly Hotep, right? When you're trying to put on your laser eyes for real, for real, you need to see what happens when you overdose. Uh, as Hotep Jesus actually put it, when you overdose on ego. Okay, without a good example of that in your field of study, which we're going to use Hotep as a broad, you know, to, to put the conscious community and those kind of around the edge of the conscious community, that's Hotep. The, the whole thing is Hotep, right? When you are in this field of study, no matter where you go, you're going to be filled with power. And there is a point where you're going to want to, you know, dip into the well too much. And that can lead you down some rabbit holes that put you in a young feral position. He is a cautionary tale. And um, I don't know if uh, it's possible, but yesterday uh, on the Griff Report, at, uh, I do believe it was the hour 35 minute mark, a young black man called in and he was talking uh, about, you know, just kind of seeing the world for what it was and all this. And he was uh, listening to the, uh, the Hebrew Israelites and so on and so forth. But there was something interesting he said at the end of the call, which pretty much led credence to my entire argument. He said, have you seen young Pharaoh? Man, like when I see him, you know, that just makes me think I got to do this and I got to do that. He, he used young Pharaoh as a reason to understand why moving more silently and, 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 and bringing, reeling in those opinions can actually help. And if he didn't see that, there's a chance that he could have ran down that rabbit hole itself. As a matter of fact, I'm an example of someone who found young Pharaoh before Hotep. And I'm telling you right now, if I didn't find Young Pharaoh before Hotep, I would probably never be Hotep. Point number two. Damn, that was all point number one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> point number two. He serves as a catalyst, okay? There are young men out there who have vast potential within the mind of Hotep and can deliver messages to thousands based on what they learn along this path. I'm going to turn the timer on. Men, I'm going to turn the timer on. So you got to stay with it. I'm not going to do any rhetoric. I'm just going to read what I wrote. Okay. But some of these men are so deeply asleep because they will themselves to disconnect from this world. So they need a catalyst. Young Pharaoh's rhetoric has many similarities regarding truth to many of our master teachers, but he is like the dude with the crazy hair from Ancient Aliens. So he'll say something spot on and then follow it up with something sensational. Sometimes this form of excitement, this form of knowledge, whether it be real or not, is the very catalyst for a young man to awaken and venture into this world. And very quickly, if he learns that understanding, if he learns how to understand young Pharaoh's rhetoric, he will naturally encounter students of master teachers who exist in a completely different stratosphere. Okay. Understanding these master teachers will be that much easier. I myself am a great example of someone who was radicalized into this form of thought first before he was brought down to earth by the likes of Jabari Osaze, Shaka Amos, Dr. Reggie, and other others like him. These are these these guys are literally direct students of master teachers. I would have never been able to 
reach the barrier of their knowledge without being like broken into by listening to young Pharaoh speak. That, it, it, and, and that is true for a lot of us hoteps like myself. Okay. Encountering young Pharaoh for the right men is going to open their minds so much that when they encounter higher knowledge, they'll absorb it like a sponge. That's point number two. Is that better? Point number three. His appearance could signify that you have not done a significant deal of growth or are coming too close to the sun. And when I say his appearance, we're, we're looking at young Pharaoh like he's a tarot card. OK, so when he appears in your life, sometimes it could be one or the other. Either you didn't go. To, you're not going too hard or you're going way too hard. OK. Once you open yourself to his field of knowledge, you soon discover the alchemy of the human spirit, time's mind up. and body. Oh, time's up. Time's up. All right. All right. Don't don't Mike Pence us. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> Ghosting. Go ahead, man. <laughs> so. You went, you made it through at least three points. Uh, I'm pretty sure your fourth point was going to be like the other three, which was basically you telling us that he serves a purpose as what not to do. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. For the most part, so, yeah. So to that, because I kind of figured that, that that's where you were going to go, because that's the only obvious c conclusion you can have on that train wreck, <laughs> is that he serves a benefit in that he shows us what not to fucking do, right? That's the only conclusion you can come to on that train wreck. So I, I already knew you were going in this direction. And to that, to all four of your points, which, is, which was just a better articulated Point four different ways, right? To all of that, I will say, while it was beneficial in the ways you laid out, at what cost? At what cost? And that's pretty quantifiable. When you consider not just the personal cost to him as a quote unquote leader, which also, by the way, goes to my first point in the first part of this debate, but his quote unquote arc as a motherfucking leader was not just harmful to him, clearly, because we've seen an evolution in this guy. I can't deny we've seen an evolution towards the worst, right? So not only was it harmful to him to take up this role, but there's a number of individuals out there whom were consumed by his rhetoric to such a degree that their life took on the same. Wait, wait, wait. I think you muted. You got muted. What happened? All right. Sorry about that. I was okay. in the phone ringing. Um, to that, I will say that in and of itself shows the detriment of a young Pharaoh to the black movement. He took more souls than he helped perpetuate in the directions that you laid out. More souls were consumed by young Pharaoh and his lifestyle choices, the things he promoted, maybe not directly promoted, but on the periphery with the way he was living, the way he was moving, the whole fucking nine yards when it comes to this dude. 
he influenced more people in that direction than he ever could have as a hotel. Reason being is because he was never really a hotel. He was reading off of a hotel script. He's a con artist. He knows exactly what to say and how to say it to get exactly what he wants out of the deal. The reason that people can take this to heart and know that it's true is because if he was truly about that life, he wouldn't be where he is now. Threatening people on fucking video, potentially getting ready to catch cases for murder, possibly drug addicted. There's a number of things you can point to that are clear cut examples of how this man is wrecking not only his life, but his empire and everyone who's affiliated with that empire, whether through influence or through direct connection. This is not going to end well. Anyone who's watching it can see that. So while he may be a good shining example of what not to be, we have that cautionary tale in spades. It's been given to us throughout human history. So now all we gain from another one is all the souls that he will consume on his spiral downward. And that's why a person, even if they're, Life is a cautionary tale. A person in his position with his type of influence who can burn the barn down. It's more of a detriment than it's worth. And so just based on that alone, he's not good for the black community. That's all I got. Strong dad. That's all you. Well, First of all, I will say that uh, I, I will say that he is Hotep. He is a Hotep. He is not. He may not be Hotep, but he is a Hotep. He is a part of the umbrella of Hotep. And if you've ever seen his earlier, like his earliest debates when he was first discovered, there wasn't things that he was saying that. It wasn't new knowledge. What he was saying came from very few people. You know, very few master teachers were spitting the knowledge that he spit in the very early times before he started uh, making the way of, uh, you know, the polite style of teaching. But when he was first around, he was absolutely hotep. His mission was a lot more clear. You know, I mean, you don't know the young Pharaoh. You just encountered him. I encountered young Pharaoh when young Pharaoh was first viral and hot in the, in the small circles, when he was talking about uh, the divine knowledge that we've here on Hotep Nation even talked about. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a video of young Pharaoh that, um that you can find on YouTube and uh, the, the the title of the video is called Young Pharaoh Speaks on Astral Projection, Yakub and the Soul of Our People. In that, you're going to hear more things that he has in common with master teachers than you've probably ever heard him say. So, yes, he is. He is Hotep. He is a bad example, or he's a great example of what happens when you go too deep, 
when you hotep rabbit hole and you don't pull out. You know, when you when, when you hit a tailspin and you completely go down the hotep uh, uh, circle, you know, he's a good example of that. But also, him being a cautionary tale, if you are uh, uh, familiar with chaos theory or just the way of the world, every generation has a cautionary tale. Young Pharaoh is my generation, my generation's cautionary tale. There's one before me, right before him. There's one before them and before him and before him. And it goes all the way back, just like you said. So cautionary tales, they are critical to the moments that they show up in. For the black community and this generation, it is critical to have a cautionary tale. For this specific mindset, for Hotep mindset, and the only cautionary tale that I can point to for Hotep mindset is young Pharaoh. He is the one. He was elected for that position. But again, he is Hotep. It's unfortunate because we all share that name, but there are many sectors of Hotep. It's not, Hotep isn't just what Hotep Nation makes it. We are just the ones who believe that we have the best rhetoric for Hotep to move Hotep forward, which I believe. I believe it is us here in Hotep Nation who have the, the power to bring Hotep truly back to where it's supposed to be. But that doesn't mean that there aren't the holistic Hoteps. There's not the conscious nigga Hoteps. You know what I'm saying? There's not the Hoteps that the I'm not a Hotep Hoteps, a.k.a. Hebrew Israelites. You know what I'm saying? There's, there, there, there's all these versions of Hoteps. But who's the cautionary tale for all of them? Young Pharaoh is the cautionary tale for all of them. Him and Polite share this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect young Pharaoh by saying they share the same, you know, like bracket because of you know polite, but I'm gonna say that they share the same function for those of us in this life, no matter where you are. I do believe that the hoteps of Hotep Nation are markedly different from a lot of the other hoteps. We are more, uh, uh, we're more understanding of things outside of us. And we learn to adapt rather than stay dogmatic. But that doesn't mean that young Pharaoh and those like him are hotep. And to your point, that uh, we've he probably lost more souls. I completely disagree. When he fell off, the majority of his audience went to Sionetta's platform or they went to these other places. The majority of Young Pharaoh's audience now are people there to watch the train wreck. The majority of Young Pharaoh's audience, when he actually wrecked, moved on to better platforms, moved on to higher forms of thought. Because they, again, witnessed a cautionary tale. They said, oh, shit, this is where it leads. This is where it leads. There's hopefully the flat earth dudes get there, too. But right now, this is this is what that, that that's the cautionary tale for them. So I don't think that he actually lost more people. I think he actually directed them to where they need to go. But pe pe few people are actually spiraling their lives the way their favorite influencers are spiraling their lives. Most people tune into an influencer destroying themselves to watch the destruction because it's some sort of, uh, you know, it's like it's masochistic or whatever. Is that the word that I'm looking for? It's, you know, it's statistic. They like to watch that stuff, but most people are not 
going to spiral their life, especially in the conscious sector. If you see a conscious nigga spiral his life, bro, you are not following that. Most let, people let, aren't. Let, 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 let's let's let Goldstein go in right there. Pause. Okay. Uh, listen. Being a cautionary tale is the caution. It's the consolation prize. It's the it's the participation trophy for your contribution to humanity. Because there is no such thing as a completely useless person. I'm a firm believer in this. Everyone has a purpose. But when your purpose becomes cautionary tale, that's that's the consolation prize for your contribution to humanity. Crackheads are cautionary tales when they're out there on the median dancing and jigging to music that's not playing, right? That's a cautionary tale to anybody who drives by is weird ass, right? But that doesn't mean that that person was significant to the culture or served a grand purpose to the culture, right? He served a purpose to those who were able to take the tale. And we both know that lessons are always being taught, but rarely being learned. That's humanity's plight on this fucking planet. We're surrounded by lessons, but we we learn very few of them. Sometimes we learn them when we don't need them. Sometimes we need them and we don't learn them, right? So just, just uh, uh, that alone being a cautionary tale means that you're not going to affect the lives of a, of a lot more people than you actually do affect the lives in that role. So when you weigh it out like that, a person like young Pharaoh, who I don't believe is Hotep, I believe because I've met this person, incarcerated myself. Um, he's a person who can retain knowledge from books that he reads pretty easy. And you and I both know there's nothing but Hotep literature on them yards. So all he had to do was get the right person up over him when he was on that yard, give him a few books let him read some shit and he retained it enough to be able to utilize it to his advantage. I used to use Hotep shit to get pussy when I was a teenager, right? I used to use that conscious vibe in that way. I knew it, but I used it for the dark side. That's not a person who ultimately, unless they decide they want to change their ways, that's not a person who's going to be anything but harm to the community he represents because he walks a higher path, but also because he chooses to manipulate that higher walk. So, yeah, you end up being a cautionary tale in a lot of ways, but the, the measure of destruction that you do in your wake is unquantifiable. It goes on for generations and people generations from now will be affected by young Pharaoh's lunacy in a negative way. That's it. Strong deck. So first I'll say he, he didn't get it from the yard though. He's like this, this this character we're talking about is a genuine student. He got he may have transformed in and out of the system and doing dirt, but he wasn't a student after the yard. He was a student before the yard. 
And there's a lot to say about people who take that route before the yard. And also, he may be adept at reading books, but you have to, you know, to to understand, you know, like uh, to understand like how like Jabari or Shaka Amos talks, you know what I'm saying? To understand a student of Dr. Ben, you can't just listen. And he was doing more than that. He was extrapolating their lesson plans to his audience. You got to do a whole lot more than retain knowledge to extrapolate a lessons plan, a lesson plan from from Dr. Reggie or from Jabari, because they're going to bring you deep into the science, deep into the history. So, from that point alone, he he is a hotep. He took the hotep route. He just overdosed on what hotep has to offer. You know, I. I was the same way, man. I overdosed on what Hotep had to offer. Do you agree with that, Goldstein, that he overdosed on Hotep? No, I think he was fed Hotep. I think he literally he was learned it, Hotep. man. You, we watched him learn it. We watched him learn Hotep. You can't be fed Hotep. You have to learn Hotep. There are people, a part of Hotep Nation today, who show up to the Griff Report, who watch, who they, they may or may not be in the chat, who still don't understand Hotep. And we're feeding them Hotep every day. And they still don't truly understand Hotep because Hotep is more than just the laser eyes that come with the final form. There's a whole labyrinth of understanding to Hotep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I mean literally. I mean, so literally. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the more profound things that you guys think he learned or knew, I think he was given that shit on a script in order to get his ass in with the Hotep community. He was given a whole bunch of hotep preparation in that regard in order to beat some type of fucking quantifiable case over his head. And he sat there and played the insurgent role until the role got too big for himself. His well, ego got that. in the way. And now it's all falling apart. But that's just we, my hypothesis. We, But that's the thing, though. We already had an insurgent. Many times while he was still coming up, we didn't need him to necessarily be the insurgent. But even if he is the insurgent, the every every like real thinking Hotep who's come the way a Hotep the way I have, you know, who's come through the Black Power route, every real thinking Hotep has an understanding of why you don't go the Young Pharaoh route from encountering Young Pharaoh. They weren't like, oh, I encounter Young Pharaoh, I'm gonna destroy my life. No, like. The, ma the majority of like right-thinking hoteps used Young Pharaoh as an understanding of what you don't do. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's inarguable that needing that is good to pressure test people. Because if you're trying to make your way in a hotep and you can't pass through a Young Pharaoh, you're never going to understand what's on the other side of that. You, he will, he is a is a is like a barrier, a big uh, you know, great wall of China around Hotep, uh, him and many others like him. And when you encounter this wall, either you're able to climb it or you're not. I was able to climb that wall and I found a whole lot more on the other side. So yes, there are people who enter Hotep through the gates, but for people like me who came from the wild, from the black power wild, we in often encounter young Pharaoh or someone like him and have to traverse through their rhetoric. And then we end up with this understanding on the other side of the wall. So you need that, you need that. Otherwise we just got people flooding in like this is the American border. 
We don't I want mass immigration into hotep thinking. We want controlled. We want the wall. He is the wall. Him I, get and that. Like I understand that. But how many people are lost on the other side of that wall? Very few. Very few. Very yeah, few. I very few. I think that, and, and also in the words of Dr. Umar, you know what I'm saying? In the words of Dr. Umar, some people finna get left behind. Big deal. <laughs> we finna leave some of them niggas behind. If you can't make it past young Pharaoh, right? If you are not mentally capable of seeing the jokes, of seeing the science, of seeing the, uh, the pseudo shit, of seeing the real shit or anything like that, if your mind can't make it past that, can you really hang with what I'm about to bring you up on? With, yeah, can you but, hang with the growth? Of, yeah, go ahead, go ahead Goldstein. Go ahead, right there. Go, go ahead, Goldstein. Couldn't you say that about most trappings in life, though? Well, if you just don't kick the dope, do you really deserve to be? Can't you say that about most trappings? I think you could say that about all trappings. But, however, when you have one like a young pharaoh, Right. That is as influential as he is, because dope, for the most part, will just sit on a table until you fuck with it. But a human being is far worse when it comes to fucking people's lives up and being influential. Far worse than dope. It's usually the human being that got you hooked on the dope. Yes. So when we're talking about the hearts and minds of people. You can't allow a young pharaoh to become the void that he became just so you can say, well, at least we have a cautionary tale. Now there's too many things at stake there. He has people like him have to be sussed out early, immediately and removed from the bigger picture. I'm not talking about nothing crazy. I'm talking about as far as per people's perception. So I don't want, I want to get that twisted people's perception of him. He has to be removed from that perception immediately because this is historically how infiltrations have happened to every black movement there is. They don't even necessarily go the young Pharaoh route, but how do we know that he wasn't put there completely sober right now, completely sane, completely within his fucking full faculties and is just playing a part to basically Wayne's brothers, what Hotep really means. But just on the end of life scale. His, Did you say the Wayne's voice. brothers? Yeah, he's basically just dogging, you know, the Wayne's brothers made Hoteps look silly. Now he's making Hoteps look extra violent you know, drug addicted and, and, and a lot of other things, right? Whatever, whatever bad image you have of him, most people, again, will put that on everybody who represents that, right? So in the conscious community, Hotep being the giant that he, or not Hotep, uh, 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 Pharaoh being the giant that he is by way of reputation, okay, is he not doing more of a disservice to not just Hotep, but to the black community at large, to people who are who are observing this, basically on the outside looking in and, and possibly trying to formulate an opinion on what the conscious community is all about? I mean, that's... Uh... 
you can find that everywhere in the, you know, that's, here's the thing. History repeats itself many times over and chaos happens as it happens. Every generation has it for Hotep. He is, he's that for this generation. That's a, that's a vital role because it's the flow of life. You, I, I don't get mad that the sun rose because the sun's supposed to rise. There's supposed to be an insurgent in a movement. It, it, there's never going to be a movement where there's no insurgency. There's never going to be a, a movement where there's no uh, uh, scapegoat, where there's no uh, thing that they're going to try to use to take you down with. There's never going to be a movement where it where opposition in the form of his personage does not exist. So it's a vital role because in that vacuum, if he, if his role never existed, not him, but if his role itself never existed, more people would fall the way of folly because there's no example to see what not to do. It's like for, it's like being from Baltimore, right? Seeing crackheads and heroin addicts everywhere is the very reason I'm not a crackhead and heroin addict. It's the very reason the majority of black people are not crackhead and heroin addicts because we see them. And sure, we can say that there's nothing vital about what they're doing, but their existence itself is a reminder to those of us who are susceptible to that type of messaging. For young people, or for potential hoteps who are susceptible to a specific type of messaging, they need to see a specific type of circumstance in order to be ushered into that thought. If you see young Pharaoh, you're more likely to rabbit hole than you are to be deterred. And for those who are deterred, so what? So what? Some of the stuff we talk about deep within hotep is unbelievable. When we start talking about chematism from the science perspective, some, some of that shit is unbelievable. Some of it is unbelievable. And I would rather have somebody who has listened to young Pharaoh gather this understanding from me than someone who's deterred by him because it's going to be harder for me to break through their mind. Young Pharaoh is like an atomic bomb to thought. Once you encounter one, uh, somebody like him, you automatically think differently. And that's when I step in. Those are the people we want to help. This is this, I'm, I'm a big proponent of leave those behind who are ready to stay behind. I'm not trying to go and help the motherfucker on the other side of Hotepistan who can't walk through the gates because young Pharaoh standing out there on the corner with a sign on his shirt saying the apocalypse is coming. You need to walk past that nigga to get through the gates. And if you can't get past him, I don't want you in Hotepistan. That's 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 where I act as the 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 terror of Hotepistan. It's <laughs> young Pharaoh's vital. Young Pharaoh's vital. I understand what you mean, but this is the equivalent of an old man looking at the times change on his porch and yelling at the same things that were happening every single decade. Goldstein. Whoever your generation's insurgent was, that was your catalyst. This is ours. He's my generation's catalyst for understanding what's this and what's that. Okay, don't go that route. No, when 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 HJ said OD on ego, that made perfect sense to me. Because that's what I see when I see him. He's ODing on Hotep ego. 
and I was very much like him before I saw him. I was, the laser eyes were burning the back of my skull. Yeah. Somebody See, in the chat, Bonzig in the chat said, you better off listening to Griselda. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> let me read some super chats and I'm going to let Goldstein respond, get the final words and begin to close out here. Tari said, uh, it can easily work to a felon's advantage to know what political attack the enemies will make. Create the type of controlled opposition because they think the felon is an easy target. Uh, Retro Neon said, also, Goldstein for Grifter of the Year. Yeah, definitely go vote for Goldstein. Grifties.com. Um, Midwest set, thank you. Uh, awesome debate, both great men. One more qualitative and one more quantitative. Yeah, that's a good way to describe them. Absolutely. Retro Neon, HJ, as a founder of Hotep Nation, is young Pharaoh Hotep. <laughs> um... Let me read this last super chat and then I'll I'll show you what I'll do with that question. Smooth said, this dude said, go deep down the rabbit hole and pull out. Hey, yo, that was crazy. <laughs> yo, big facts. That was a huge <laughs> pause moment. Um, so let's make that a debate question. Is young Pharaoh Hotep? Goldstein, you can respond to some of the things uh um uh uh Trey said. And, uh, you know, answer that question. Is young Pharaoh, in fact, Hotep? And maybe you have to define what Hotep is, because that to me is like, you know, the, the difficult part, trying to like wrap my head around what is Hotep now when, he, when people ask that. But is young Pharaoh Hotep? And do you want to respond to some of the things that uh, Trey said? Uh, well, no, I'll, 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 I'll just say it with this closing, is that from the first part of this debate to this part, there was a clear consolidated messaging on my part, right? Both sides of the argument, I reflected one throughout both topics. The second topic illustrates why I was right on the first. All right. And then when you look at all of the bullshit surrounding young Pharaoh culture, not just young Pharaoh, but the image that whole thing, I would say that there's far more damage being done there than any good. Again, lessons are often taught, but they're rarely learned, all right? So anyone who could get the cautionary tale that he offers would get it from a number of other sources as well, because those are usually the people who are going to be walking the higher path. Now, that in and of itself, the walking of that higher path, that is what makes young Pharaoh not Hotep. Until he can do that, because there's always hope as long as you're breathing. Until he can do that, just knowing some shit does not make you Hotep. A CIA agent could read everything about Hotep and be more well-versed than a lot of us in what it means, history, dates, numbers, statistics, all that shit. But the quantifiable measure of what I personally believe is Hotep is how much of that you apply to your lifestyle, the doing, not the knowing. And so just because he could spit physics and, and some more miraculous shit doesn't necessarily mean he's Hotep. 
the fact that he's out there wilding and looking like he is, if it's not just a big old ploy, which would also make him not hotep, if this is something he's actually struggling with, substance abuse, whatever the case may be, uh, paranoid, schizophrenia, whatever the case may be, what if he's struggling with something, the fact that he is continuing the course that he is without getting the necessary help, without making the necessary changes to become Hotep, then you don't, you don't, you don't run in that camp. And that's my perspective on that. Strong that. Yes. Uh, so to answer the question um, in the way that you speculated on it, if we are, I look at Hotep as, uh, I guess, two ways, maybe uh, three ways, I suppose. Uh, there's Hotep as I believe in Livid, which is Pata Hotep. The way that he brought Hotep is the way that I believe Hotep is. And so if I'm speaking from this perspective, he is not Hotep. If I'm looking at what Hotep Nation uh, prescribes as Hotep, I would say from this perspective, he is not Hotep. If I am looking at the concept of Hotep within the Black community as within itself, then he is Hotep. Period. No. Just because he just because he does wild shit in the Black community, Hotep is more than just how I live it, how Hotep Nation lives it, how Shaka Amos lives it, how Jabari lives it. You know what I'm saying? How uh, uh, Kaba Kamin lives it. Hotep is different for how many of us live Hotep. And there is a realm of Hotep that is only encapsulated by knowledge, not by way of life. And if we look at Hoteps who are described by their knowledge and what they choose to speak about, he is one of these types of Hoteps because he talks about many of the things that Hoteps who exist in that space speak on. Does he live it? I would venture to say many of those in that space don't live the aspects of Hotep as it was brought to us originally. I think that even in within the nation, Hotep nation itself, some of us don't live as Hotep was brought to us specifically, but that does not make them not Hotep. So the I, answers are very, very foggy. I don't know. I, I would love to just piggyback off that. Um, Hotep is not what you know, it's how you live. And if it's based upon what you know, it opens the door for insurgents. It can't just be based upon, because you have some people who know and you have some people who live and the people who live it are more important than the people who know. And the people who know sometimes aren't living it and that's lesser important. It's not about what you know. For example, uh, people see the way I conduct myself and, you know, debates and with people and they say you have so much patience. Well, that's Hotep, right? Like you don't know it until you reach that moment of conflict where you get to really see if somebody is Hotep. Now, are we all always Hotep? No, we're not always Hotep. Um, but it's definitely about, you know, especially if we talk about the holistic Hoteps, right? Like I brush my teeth with activated carbon from a black owned company. 
I bathe with African black soap. I moisturize with African shea butter. I also drink Starbucks. <laughs> Am I a perfect hotep? No. But there are things in my life that make me hotep. So that's just my opinion. I think it's better to be hotep than it is to, you know, have knowledge of a hotep. Because then it just means that you can come in in here and spit a whole bunch of shit about Yakub and this, that, and the third. And people go, oh, okay, you get to lead us. And it's just like... What if he's fornicating and watching porn in the background? What if he's doing stuff to, you know, little kids in the background? Like that stuff is very important. Um, first of all, hats off to both of y'all. Um, y'all definitely were hotep. Both of y'all were very hotep in how you conducted this interview. This interview, I mean, this debate just showed a level of maturity you probably won't find on Sa Netter's channel. <laughs> you guys are elite hoteps. I think the chat really enjoyed you guys as well. Um, you ex Both of you exceeded my expectations. You know, not that my expectations were low. It's just that I didn't really set any expectations. I was like, I just want to have fun. But then I got here and I'm like, damn, this shit is good. This shit is fucking great. <laughs> So my hat goes off to both of y'all. Make sure y'all follow Hotep Goldstein on Twitter. Follow at the Strong Dad on Twitter. And um, I can't wait to have to host the next debate, especially between you two. I think you guys are great minds, and you know each of you are pulling me, you know, different ways, especially on the Young Pharaoh and the and the ex con conv uh, con uh, uh, conversation. But um, thank you very much for being a part of this uh, platform today. Do me a favor, just hit the leave button and I'll close out the show. Thank you very much. All right, man. Hotep and Bill. Hotep and Bill. Hotep and Bill. Wow. 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 Chat. How great was that? How great was that debate? How great was that debate? How great was that debate? Jamar said me versus Unk. <laughs> you wanna go, you wanna, you wanna debate Unk? Okay. <laughs> um shout out to young Pharaoh. Um I wish him all the best and nothing but success and healing and a return to hotepness in uh, all forms of his life. Um, Hotep Nation is, uh, it's a very special thing. And, 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 and uh, we, I think we, it, we, that light was shown today with Goldstein and Strong Dad how very special the Hotep Nation community is, how strong it is. Uh, Chad, once upon a time, said, I'd rather go uphill with, you know, 10 loyal men than a thousand disloyal men. And uh, although Hotep Nation is not the largest community, we are the strongest. Hotep. With that being said, the grift of power is concluded until the next time, until the next debate, until the next clash of minds. 
I'm Hotep Jesus. This has been a special edition of the Griff Report. I will get this up on Spotify and Apple. You better believe it. Um, I'll be on Sonny Johnson's uh, show tomorrow, 2 p.m. Sirius Radio, Sirius XM Patriot Radio. So tune in over there. Probably going to spaz out on a whole Israel, Gaza, Hamas conflict. Um, in the comment box below, if you're watching the replay. Comment. Let us know who are your favorites. What are your favorite points? Who won the debate, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, I want to hear from you. And comments boost the algorithm. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. And with that being said, Hotep him.